Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Saturday, that's right, I said Saturday, August 9th, 2014, and we are doing another interview. This is one that uh, I've been looking forward to, so we made some uh, special Saturday time to talk to this (laughs) individual. This is somebody that has a uh, project on Kickstarter right now, one that if you listen to the show, you should be a little familiar with because we did review it. And who am I talking to on Skype today? Well, you're talking to Jason Katarski from Green Couch Games and uh, designer of Fidelitas, which is our project that's live now, as well as kind of the game that I'm probably most known for is the Great Heartland Hauling Company from Dice Amy Games. Uh, which is sitting on my shelf and unfortunately still unplayed. Uh-oh. Uh, I have, well, you know, it's it's the curse of the reviewer, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's, in fact, uh, Jordan was just asking me today about a game that we want to play and when we could possibly fit it in that we haven't been asked to review. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get to do what we want anymore. We we only get yeah. to do the, you know, stuff that's sent to us. That's fun. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's a combination of uh, first world problems and review world problems, I guess. <laughs> it's not a bad problem to have. Lots of games to play. That means you have something to look forward to. <laughs> so, yeah, Jason and I get to have this conversation, and it is awesome. We are recording a little off-date. If you usually listen and know, I, I do a lot of Wednesday recordings, but uh, we had to do a reschedule, and this is one I definitely wanted to get in. Jason and I, we kind of run in similar circles. It's another deal. Like, I just talked to AJ not too long ago from Van Ryder. No. Yeah. And, like, him and I have mutual friends, and the names keep kind of popping up, but we had never talked before. And I think you and I are in the similar circumstance. Yeah, I think so too. And then we were at, we were at a proto spiel this couple weekends ago and I got there on Sunday and I looked across the room and saw your bright orange all us geek shirt. And I'm like, I gotta go talk to him as soon as I'm done. And then you hit the road for home. So we didn't actually, we just were like ships passing in the night. I know. And then it was like on the way home, somebody in the car was like, Oh yeah, Jason, I was over talking to him right before we left. I'm like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> it's like, damn it. I was supposed to talk to you. I was supposed to say hi. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that was uh, another missed opportunity. But you know that is awesome. I you know it's it's great to know that you're an advocate of the proto spiel events as well. Yeah, it was it's it's a cool thing. And I live you know and I live an hour from uh, proto spiel Ann Arbor, so I live in Flint, Michigan. So it was just a no brainer to to get down there and see what it was like. I went to Wisconsin for a day with the um, with Jeff from Happy Mitten and Rob mm-hmm. Couch from the building the game podcast and that was cool too but that was kind of a taste of it so it's just a, a great great way to connect with people and get some games played and kind of see what other people are up to so yeah i uh i love the chance to to get to that kind of stuff when i can yeah i, I love those events i'm kind of sad that i'm gonna have to miss the madison one here that just got scheduled for october oh bummer <laughs> All right. So, uh, like I warned you up front, I do have some warm up questions and then, uh, we'll just go ahead and get into having this conversation about you and designing and your Kickstarter, all that good stuff. So are you ready? I'm ready. I love, I love talking about me. So <laughs> that's good because it, it becomes a very awkward podcast if you don't. <laughs> all right. So first question. What makes you a geek, sir? What makes me a geek? Oh, gosh. You know, as long as I can remember, like, I've always gotten super excited 
about like ideas and it's not always just a specific type of idea but just an idea grabs a hold of me and i geek out about it for a while so some of the earliest stuff i can remember would be star wars as a kid um you know watching those movies and then running around the house pretending i'm luke skywalker for for hours afterwards you know and just like getting the toys and 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 playing with that stuff or um karate kid i was karate chopping everything and i turned everything i could into a headband you know so like i just get i get excited about about something and I dive in. So I'm a geek. Gosh, what am I? I, I'm mostly, I've been a geek about records uh, and and I played in punk rock bands and stuff like that. So I got a pretty uh, decent record collection and, and I love obscure random bands that people haven't heard of. So that was kind of where I spent a lot of my geekery energy as a, as a teenager and a young adult until, uh, Man, I, I I was reintroduced to comic books. My dad was this collector, right? And he collected baseball cards. And he was like, well, they have to be really nice and really kept um, in, in the, all their plastic sleeves. And and that's how you're going to do comic books if you're going to do comic books. So I had all these comic books that I was buying, but I never read them as a kid. It was a huge it was a huge bummer. So um, when I started, you know, getting a paycheck for my first real job, I started like actually reading comic books. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've missed my childhood. This is glorious. <laughs> um, so and lately, you know, my 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 comic money and my record money shifted to board game money, and and uh, man, I just I, I I'll go to thrift stores just to find some different obscure games, you know, and come back with conventions with the good, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty titles that I got to try out, and been getting more recently and taking a break away from uh, buying as many games uh, because you know when it becomes a little bit more of a job, you don't you don't want you want it to still be fun, you don't want to overdo it. So I've been reading some graphic novels and stuff like that lately. I just I'm a big pop culture geek and I, I love stories and I love creativity and uh, I've always been terrible at sports. So I ended up with these geeky things uh, in my life and I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you may have partially answered this one, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what you think. We like to to stress that you really can geek out about anything. I mean, if, if you're passionate enough about it, it can be a, a geek related hobby or passion. So do you have any geek level passions for something that somebody might normally not consider geek related? Oh gosh, that's a, um, that's a good one. You know, I think, I don't know. It, it's probably like this, this thing of uh local, local music um i i was involved in in uh playing in bands and and we have a really strong local uh kind of diy community and and that was like my those were my people growing up you know so now i have this affinity for like you know uh checking out records by by local bands or um you know like having all these little seven inches or old cassettes of bands that nobody's ever heard of if they didn't live in like this you know 25 to 50 mile radius of where i lived so uh yeah, just lots of random, uh, random music around my house that, uh, that I, that I love and that I treat with great care. <laughs> no, that, that is awesome. Cause, uh, that, that's kind of probably one of mine as well is cause I used to, I used to DJ and I used to do a little bit of music promotion on the side oh, okay. as well. So that's one of mine too is like just music and, and various like, Finding finding like a local talent is always awesome that that, you know, is is good and other people just need to figure it out eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's I, I've always loved that. You know, like I remember early on, I was this kind of elitist about it, and I'd be like, you know, I know all about these cool bands that none of the other kids in my school like have ever heard. You know, and it's just like. <laughs> It's like you wave your freak flag high and and it, it makes you different. It makes you unique and special. Um, and you really have nothing to do with the art that they've created. It's just like you listen to it, but you you own that stuff so much. And that's the same thing with, the, you know, like, you know, gaming and, and pop culture stuff, too. It just it becomes your own whether you made it or not. And and that's a that's a cool thing to feel like you're part of, of a community of people that are like you. So <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, like I said, that that's that is definitely something I miss. I remember. uh I remember one of the first times I went back out and started listening to like a local band playing in a bar and it had been a while since I had been in and, and doing any promotion, but I still knew a few people and it it was that instant thing for me where like, God, these guys are good. And I, I went up and talked to them afterwards and I'm like, here's, <laughs> here's some people I know up in the cities, give them a call, let them know I told you to call. And, and so I kind of slipped back into that and it had been, I don't know, it had, at that point, it had probably been five to eight years maybe since I had done anything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. It, but it was just like, you know, just being in the atmosphere, watching, you know, and for me, it's, it was one of those things where it's, you're not only listening to the music, but you're watching how they interact with the crowd, how the crowd interacts with them. And it was, all of those things just kind of clicked back for me. And it wasn't, suddenly I wasn't just at a bar listening to a, a band. I was like doing, you know, doing stats in my head or whatever. <laughs> I was like, yeah. all right. Yeah. The crowd, the crowd likes them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They got a good presence. Yeah. And just yeah. <laughs> suddenly getting analytical about it. That's that's cool. Yeah, the, you know that that's something that like I can't get out of out of my soul is this music thing. Like with my band, we put out records and like we did some small tours around the around the Midwest and uh, down to Florida and back and stuff. And I stopped doing it for a while because I got married and and I was tired of being gone every single weekend. And then a few years later, we had this family friend and I did a lot of the business stuff. I booked all the shows and I would you know occasionally put on our own shows where we'd rent a hall or wherever and and invite the other bands out. Uh, we found this family friend. Who, who is this young she was in college fantastic singer songwriter and uh we heard her new record and she was playing just a couple shows a year and i'm like she's so good i have to help her so like I, for the next year like i became her booking agent and stuff just because i like i was like you have so much potential and it, your music is so good we have to get you in front of more people and so that scratched an itch for a while and then when i stopped doing that like my old band got back together and last year we did a, a kickstarter for a seven inch um that we recorded like seven years ago, we broke up and we never released. It was kind of like our final release. And we, and we managed to, you know, get, you know, 50 people together to chip in and help us put out a new record. And and we played a few reunion shows. And so, like, whenever I try to take a break from it, I start, like, getting this little itch to go back and geek out with music. So it's a good release. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, my last warm up question, even though we've kind of already deviated quite a bit. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but that's all right. That's that's what it's all about. I, I again I uh I love having conversations, but uh I always try to get at least these three questions in just uh to kind of level set and, and let people know uh, a little bit about you and then like I said, we kind of continue exploring that. So the last one I have is and you can answer as specific or as generic as you want. What do you do for a living besides make games, sir? Yeah, I'm an ordained minister. So um, I was uh, a church pastor. I planted a church two years ago that recently closed. Uh, so it was a new church that was just in a, we actually met in the old 
punk rock venue that I used to play at. That was our kind of non-traditional space. We were trying to do a new church in. But since that closed and just just as it was kind of winding down, I uh, started working as a hospice chaplain. So a couple days a week, I, I visit uh, folks who are dying and um, provide spiritual support for their families and themselves. So that's kind of uh, what I do, which to a lot of people sounds pretty heavy. Um <laughs> And that probably ties into uh, why I love games so much. <laughs> also, you know, I, when I do this heavy work, it's a, it's a great kind of switch to to kind of get back into something light and and fun. And yeah, it's a nice a nice outlet. That's cool. And again, it's uh, yeah, it's it's heavy in kind of what you you focus in on, but it's it's awesome in the fact that you know you, you are providing that guidance and that comfort here to to somebody that really truly is is needs it and looking for it and and uh that I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a really a beautiful opportunity. It's it can be difficult, but you know, I just love people, so like meeting people and kind of spending time with them, it comes pretty pretty natural to me. And then it's rewarding too, most of the time. It, it can be very difficult <laughs> at other times, but but yeah, I think that those rewarding times kind of um outweigh the the more difficult times. So but yeah, it's a good it's a good work to do, and that's uh, that's where I'm at in this particular season of my life. We've kind of heard a gambit of things from you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> music and being a pastor and uh, being a collector and geeking out. I'm always interested if people can think of and know of this switch that I'm about to ask you about. Can you point to a specific time where you went from playing games and enjoying games as a gamer to just that flip where you're like, I want to get in on the other side of this and, and on the business side of this. Yeah, I think, I think so there. I mean, the moment that I, that I got into gaming, it was through my wife who in college had played settlers of Catan and, and, uh, that was like their Saturday ritual. Uh, she, she went to a little Christian college and they weren't, it wasn't a big party school. So they partied by with settlers, you know, that was kind of what their Saturday afternoons and evenings looked like. And we were shortly after when we were married, walking through the mall and she points at this kind of Christmas kiosk that's selling games and puzzles. And she's like, Oh my gosh, we have to get this settlers of Catan game. And I'm like, Oh, who did I marry? What is this? You know, like, uh, and, and uh, I'm like, all right, I'll buy your board game. And and we ended up playing it and I fell hard, right? Like I, I loved it and she didn't accept. So I started Googling like games like Settlers of Catan and I, and I eventually stumbled on uh, Scott Nicholson's videos and, and Tom Vassell's videos and then Board Game Geek eventually. So I just went kind of crazy and getting into, you know, Euro games and family games and card games. And and, and I was really loving it, especially because that was about the time that I, I started scaling back the rock and roll thing. So this was something neat that I could do at home with my wife instead of like having to drive across the country to do it without her, you know. Um, so this kind of became the shared experience. And, and, and I learned pretty quickly, hey, these are called design games and and there's names of people on the boxes so as as the kind of creative person you know just had this little idea in the back of my head it would be sweet to have my uh my name on a box someday (laughs) and 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 it it wasn't a big drive or anything to do that because every every time i would stop and think about it i'm like well i can't think of anything that isn't something else and uh i wasn't pushing it i I don't generally push like i kind of am a wait for inspiration and then get to work kind of a thing. And, and while I was at work at a previous church, I was talking to a truck driver who had brought some food that we were making available to the community. And he said, Hey, you know, like I had this thing where he drove up from Tennessee and he said, I lost money to come up here to deliver this to you. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? (laughs) 
<laughs> and he said, because now that I'm up here, I get to drive an hour west, pick up some greens and take them down to Florida. And they pay way better than they're supposed to or than the, than the norm. So, like, I got my expenses paid for mostly to come up here so I can make money on the way back. And I'm like, oh. There's a game in that. <laughs> so once that hit, like I was like, okay, I have an idea now. Um, so that was the moment when I went home um, and I pulled out some cards and some different bits that I had been saving for just in case there was the opportunity to create a, a game. And I, and I started working on a game and the initial idea came together really quickly and I played it with my wife and she's like, yeah, this is kind of a game. And, and that's really how great Heartland Holland company was born. And two years later, I ended up signing it with dice hate me and it's been really, really successful. And, once your your name actually gets on the box you've got the itch man <laughs> and you just you just want to do it again so and and it's so funny how that when that switch flipped like i have this new like set of uh i don't know experiences and lenses that i look through so like game ideas just come a lot more freely now it's like the first one was the hardest and now it's just like it's just what i do you know and it, and it's it's a lot of fun and then the more i got involved the more i decided hey Let's how how much further can I take this, you know? And and so I'm looking. I looked at getting into the podcasting thing and started my show. And then I looked at uh at publishing, and that's kind of the the, the place in the journey I am right now. It's amazing when you're kind of designing like how you start looking at various things, isn't it? <laughs> you know, my carpool for Proto Spiel. It was you know Matt Warden, Jason Glover, David Shepard, and myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on our way back, like we hit, was it? Yeah. I think it was on our way back, like a steak and shake. And we were just being ridiculous. And it was like, we, you know, we got to the point where it was time to order desserts or something or order shakes. And we all decided we were going to order a shake. And suddenly it was like the order that we went in and like Jason ordered the shake that I was originally going to order. And all of a sudden we're like, well, I can't order that now because this is a worker placement. And, <laughs> So just these little goofy things that you kind of start thinking of every once in a while when you're in that design mode to like, oh, that could be a game. Yeah, absolutely. I think we on the way to Protospiel, Wisconsin, we passed like a big giant store that was like the cheese castle or something, you know, which was perfect because it was in Wisconsin. I'm like there needs to be a cheese castle game. <laughs> yeah. So it's just yeah, it's, it's it's funny how like you just look at the world differently and like think about how can I make this into something fun that we can play? You kind of then went full in. I mean, your your first game where you finally got this the spark to hey, this is what I want to create a game on, and you got that published. One, there's probably a lot of people hating on you right now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I got lucky. Well, I mean, the, lucky this is some of it. Obviously, sure. I mean, right, right time, right place, all that good stuff. But I mean, obviously, there was some work that went into it as well. So, oh, absolutely. And is. Fidelitas, your your second game, or do you have you had other things in the middle uh, before Fidelitas came about? No, yeah, I've had a few, a few other things in the middle. I did a little game that I designed with my daughter called Frog Flip for Sprocket Games, which is Michael Fox from the Little Metal Dog Shows company. Nice. Um, and we did a short run of that. And then I have uh, I have a game coming up with Crash Games called Dead Drop that. Uh, I signed an unpub this last year. And then there's another game that was kind of, that's kind of in flux right now. It was with a, an overseas publisher, but I might be getting the rights back to it soon and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with that next. So 
two games that are officially out and then a couple other games that are that are in the works and then and then fidelitas so okay. so you've had some time since great heartland hauling company and working on various things have you come up with and this is another one I'll say. I, I end up asking this. I, I always say I don't have written down questions, and I don't. I don't have anything in front of me. <laughs> but there's certain things I'm always curious about, so I know I ask some of the same questions over again. And I'm always curious about people's design processes. So do you have a like specific design process that you like to use, or does it vary by game? You know... It probably varies a little bit by game, but I generally start, and this is the big question that a lot of people ask is like, is it, do you start with theme or do you start with mechanics? So, so I am, I am uh, a theme guy for sure. Uh, I usually start with, with, okay, an idea, just, a, just a theme or maybe some components. And, but usually it, usually a theme. So the trucking thing came after that conversation. So I couldn't make that game anything else but a trucking game. And I could, and some other people suggested, Hey, maybe this should be like a different theme and maybe it would be easier to sell to a publisher. And I'm like, no, that's, that's my trucking game, you know? <laughs> um, and then dead drop came to me watching alias with my wife. We were on Netflix and binging like crazy. And I'm like, okay, like a, a spy game and about this idea of, uh, dropping off hidden information to share with another agency and, you know, so I so I developed a, an idea around that. So they usually come with that seed of of a theme. And once I have the idea, like you know, the the goal of the game pops into mind next, right? So, well, what do truck drivers do? Truck drivers try to make a living, right? And they so they got to do that by covering their expenses and getting jobs that pay them well enough to to live. So that that kind of gave me okay. So you win by earning enough money. Or a certain amount of money. Uh, in Dead Drop, you're the the first agency to find the secret information that that the other people are racing for. So I kind of explore the games just thematically first, and then I sit down and I get some physical components. And um, whether it's a standard deck of cards, I, I really like card games, so that that might be a place that I start. Or um, you know, some open up a, a Word document and you know just type that type some ideas out, make some quick cards that I can print out and, and manipulate. Like I, I like to work with something physical. Um, and I like to give myself some sort of constraints, right? Like, um, in dead drop, I, I wanted to make a micro game. I wanted to see what I could do with a small amount of, uh, of components. So it's a 13 card game at this point. So once I had those 13 cards, I, you know, you figure out what are you going to put on them? How's it going to work? With Heartland Holland, I wanted to create a board game experience using only cards. So then I created a board that was a grid of cards and I created the fuel and, and goods that you kind of use as hand management to, to pay for your movement and to pay for uh, picking up and delivering the, the goods. So once I have the physical things, I, I just play around until something something feels right. So that thematic idea then then turns into like a, a physical thing that I can I can put my hands on. So kind of a hands on guy there at that point and then it's just all about um getting some feedback like from folks just just brief like here's the idea is this idea worth pursuing do other people like click with it do i enjoy it you know kind of playing it with another person before i get too far because if you get too far ahead of yourself when you're making a game you might realize that you design something that's not fun and i've only done that like one time where like i had the idea completely in my head before i played it with human beings and then i actually got it i paid an artist friend to like throw something together and ordered like four sets of components from game crafter <laughs> only to find out that it was awful you know so <laughs> um, but then i took those components and turned them into an actual fun game because then i had 
physical components and a theme already then I made I hammered a game into those components. So, yeah, I, I like working with constraints because it keeps me focused. It keeps me um, simple. So so the constraints being, you know, like, OK, 54 cards or, you know, maybe 80 cards and just some simple, simple constraints. I don't get too rigid, but like I like to make things uh, small and then uh, build onto them rather than something really big and then have to trim, trim stuff off later. So that's my general, my general process is, uh, is along those lines. That's great. And that's one of the reasons I like to ask that question is because everybody is potentially a little bit different in how they design and there's, there's no right or wrong, but if somebody's kind of coming up and just kind of starting to get into it, I like to kind of show the spectrum whenever possible and and you know hey here may and, and if somebody's listening they might go oh let me try that and and maybe that ends up being the thing that clicks for them to kind of move forward with their design process i mean i've, I've had people on that are like well i think it was it AJ that I just recently talked to that was, uh, and he, he was like the second person that I've ever known to do this, but it's like, yeah, I start by writing the rules. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. That, and, and that is, I mean, that, that's foreign to me. Uh, but I know other people that do it. And, and for me, I, I'm somewhat with you. Like I've, I've kind of backed off from design quite a bit, uh, because of the podcast and, and I'm comfortable with that. I mean, that this kind of became my, my space in the, in the game, uh, side of things. And I was happy with that. Cause you know, I get to talk to awesome people like you and, and all that good stuff. And, <laughs> sure. and, uh, I get to look at a lot of games. So, uh, you know, part of the review process, you, you're kind of still in that design mentality sometimes anyway. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it just was very happy and content, but, uh, I'm doing a, a collaboration myself right now because the guy shot the theme at me and I was like, Oh my God, I'm in. And just instantly like, bam, here's, here's what I, here's, here's what's in my head. And, you know, it's like, we've talked every single day pretty much about what uh, is going on. And it's all based around the theme clicked with me. So I think theme, theme first can sometimes be huge for me as well. Yeah, that's cool. And, and, and I mean, I learn a lot from, from that too, from hearing how different people approach it. And, you know, in, in creative pursuits, you get stuck a lot, you know, and sometimes the best way to get unstuck is to approach whatever you're doing from a new angle. So kind of looking at other people's angles might be a way to kind of, kind of shake you free and, and move you into some new places. I have that. Uh, I always refer to that as well. That you you kind of talked about designing the entire game in your head and then seeing it on the on the table. I do that a lot. <laughs> I, I I've I've referred to it quite a few times on the podcast where like every game because I always usually do process it a bit in my head first, and so every game is always like, oh my god, this is fireworks and explosions and as soon as somebody plays it they're gonna you know create a parade to make sure that you know this game you know it's just and then i get it on the table i'm like what the hell is i thinking <laughs> and uh and 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 bless her heart uh she I, i've said it here recently uh she's a saint but when mm-hmm. i am designing uh my fiance takes the brunt of wow this is this is not a good game and helps me make it into something that's playable <laughs> that's what you need you you need a good honest woman (laughs) yeah so before anybody else ever sees it trust me it's gone through a lot of chopping blocks (laughs) and unfortunately it's it's poor megan who is a casual gamer at best (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so yeah she's a saint 
Awesome. I, it's it's back on record again. Uh, <laughs> so where does playtesting fall in for you? Do you have like a, a group a, a group that you usually take it to, or when when do you kind of approach that side of things? Yeah, you usually I I try to just uh, get it in front of my wife. That's always a, a good first step because she's honest too. Like she has games she likes, she has games she doesn't like, and um, she'll straight up say, "Yeah, it's okay. It's I mean, it works, but I don't like it." You know that kind of a thing, or like, "Yes, I love that one." So she's kind of the first testing ground, and then maybe you know if we have friends over or whatever, I might say, "Hey, I got a new one. Do you want to you want to give it a quick try?" You know, just anybody who's really willing and try not to push it on you know my friends and family, but if you know they seem to be interested enough in what I'm doing that they'll take a look at stuff once in a while. Andy Lennox, my co-host on uh, the podcast that we do called the 20 minutes of filler. Um, he's a local guy and he's, he's really become uh, kind of my, my next line of defense. And he's, he's a designer too. So he's got a lot of great ideas and he, he loves games so he can really uh, give valuable feedback and help me kind of see if we're headed in the right direction or not. Uh, and then I have a, um, a twice a month. I do a game, a game night and it's, it's smallish. I'm anywhere from, you know, five people to maybe 15 people will show up and folks there are usually willing to try stuff. So that's kind of where I start. And then eventually I might reach out to some folks um, outside of the local area and send out some tests, uh, you know, for blind testing just to kind of see what they think of it without me being right there to watch them. Uh, and then a lot of these kind of the unpub type uh, stuff, you know, either going to Origins and hanging out by the Blue Noodle or went to <laughs> Delaware uh, this January for the unpub four and in february i'm gonna go to um like where is it now baltimore maryland for for this year's unpub and then proto spiel usually that's where i take games that are a little further along that i really just want to kind of um refine and where, where i'm kind of you know dialing everything in the stuff that i feel like is close enough where if a publisher looked at it they wouldn't want to throw up you know and uh <laughs> But it still, you know, might need development work, but it's kind of like where I where I bring the best of the best, you know, kind of more publicly. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of the process. Um, so I like to get to it as early as possible, like at least, you know, should I waste any more time on this? Does it play, you know, with my wife and then with my friends and my local game group before I kind of really commit to to taking it anywhere? You're a good person for the, another question that I like to ask a lot because I'm always curious and you've kind of straddled both sides. So uh, this is definitely a, probably a good one for for me to ask you so great harlan hauling company you went with a publisher and you've got uh, other games in various states with publishers but for fidelitas you started green couch games and and this is going to be like your your flagship game your your start off right yep that's right okay so i'm always curious because i talk to people that run the full spectrum so i i'm curious where you fall in on the spectrum and the spectrum is on one and people that are like, I love designing. I don't ever want to touch the publishing side. It just doesn't appeal to me. I want to hand it off to somebody else. And even, you know, I've, people that are, are aware of the publishing side that will say, I'll gladly take a little less money to get back my time to continue to design. To mm -hmm. I've had people on that have said, you know what? I've, I've tried design, wasn't my thing, but I found out I really loved publishing so i've become a full-time publisher and i enjoy helping other people get their games out there and taking care of all that publishing stuff and to kind of also have some people like somewhere in the middle go 
the publishing stuff is a, you know, quote unquote necessary evil for me because I want my game out there. So, you know, they'll go maybe go through the Kickstarter process and publish it themselves, but it's not necessarily something that they're, you know, 100% thrilled about. Where in the spectrum are, are you falling, sir? Yeah, I am. I'm probably right in the middle. And I, I'm the guy who, who loves to make games, loves to design. And so far, I'm also loving the publishing process. I was never like the the guy who like uh, publishing is. I don't want to do that. Like I, I've always been a project manager type person. Like from from and this goes way back to like my my punk rock roots, right? Like where we would, um, you know, we wanted to play a show, so somebody had to put together the songs and put together the set list, and then we had to you know call the venue and and try to get a date secured, and then we'd have to promote it, and then you know we, when the, it was time to record, somebody had to book studio time and and plan the rehearsals, and then we had to figure out okay who's going to do the art for the record and like who's going to book the tours and you know so I did a little bit of everything and I and I loved all of it right I loved the creative process and I loved kind of putting the pieces together for the bigger picture so that's just always been you know something there for me and before I signed uh, Heartland Holland um, I was considering putting it out myself because I was impatient and I had an idea and I thought it was good. And then my wife said, Hey, push pause. And why don't you see if somebody else wants to publish it before you try to spend our money right now? (laughs) And I said, okay, I'll try. And, uh, ended up in a really good situation with, with I hate me, you know, the up and coming publisher who just puts out great games. And Chris is fantastic to work with. Then as an indie designer, um, you know, I had a game and I worked with, you know, one of the best in the biz to, to bring my game to life. And I realized how much I loved the whole process, you know, coming up with ideas, doing the marketing, going to work at the conventions and kind of demoing the game and 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 the whole the whole gamut of the experience. I've just I've loved every part of it. So that kind of gave me a taste like, you know, I think this publishing thing might be something I want to explore at some point. So then as I look more into the publishing thing and, and how much more available and accessible publishing is now with Kickstarter and with the gaming community being so connected and that I've started to build a platform in that community with Heartland and with my podcast, um, just kind of being around at shows. I felt like I had something to, to build on. Then I, you know, I got to hire an artist and I got to play test games and I got to, you know, build the, the Kickstarter page and, and talk to, you know, fulfillment companies and, and kind of just, I'm back in this place where I'm like, okay, I've got a good game and, and we're tweaking that and we're finalizing that. But then like I get to see the whole thing through. So it's pretty rewarding to go from like, here's the seed of an idea to take it all the way to the publishing area. So I'm right in the middle of that spectrum so far. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, exploring publishing and I still really love designing games. Uh, I think there's not a ton of people like me because it gets a little, I want to say murky, but that's not right. That sounds sinister. But like (laughs) as a designer, like I want to design games and I want to put them out, but I don't want to put out all of my own games and not because I don't think they're good. It's just because the kind of games that I want to put out are, are fitting a specific mold. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on filler games. I want to focus on games that play less than an hour that are easy to teach, that are accessible, that are low on components. Maybe, maybe even just card games. I haven't really officially decided on that part, but but the filler thing is really huge to me. So Heartland Holland isn't exactly a filler. It has elements of a filler and it fits wonderfully with, with Dice Hate Me's line and, and Crash Games uh, is doing these pub series games like Council of Verona and now Yardmaster Express. My game's going to be uh dead drop is going to be a part of the pub series, just a 13 card game. So they, they have this line of games that, that my game fits really well with their brand. 
so that's kind of what I want to do is like as a designer, I want to look at my games and say, does this fit best with my company or would it fit better with somebody else? Because in the end, I just I want to get games out there and I want to have fun making games and I want to watch people play my games and have fun along the way. You know, there, then there's the business side of it where like, OK, I love this. So to make it sustainable, you know, it would be cool to figure out a way to turn this into something that would provide some some livelihood for my family, you know, and, and, and publishing just seemed like that route, because as a designer, you, you know, like I said before, you get stuck sometimes and you're working on your own stuff and and traditional publishing can be a long process. It took me two years from when I first made Heartland till when it got signed and then another year before we saw it hit the shores of the United States and then sell out, you know, in a, in a month or so after that. So it, it's this long process and there's a lot of waiting in between and when, and and that's OK. But as a publisher, I always have something to work on, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's not my game, maybe it's somebody else's game. You know, while I'm waiting, there's there's something else. You know, if, if you're going to be a designer that wants to make any kind of living, you're going to have to put out a couple games a year and a couple of them are going to have to be hits, you know, <laughs> um, big hits. Uh, so, yeah, the, the publishing thing is just a way for me to stay involved and kind of explore more and learn more about the whole industry and and really just dig in and contribute to something to this this space that that I've just fallen in love with so much. So I, I think you've kind of already answered this, but it sounds like as far as you're concerned, Green Couch Games is going to be like a, a full blown publisher. It's not it's not something that you've created to just put out your own designs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the the idea is well, sure, I'll put out some of my games, but I don't want to just be a vanity publisher and put out my my own games. Nothing against people who do. Like, I love uh, what Jason Glover is doing. And that was one of the other things that pushed me forward. Like, he's just an indie guy who makes his own games and puts them out and they look great. And people are, you know, going nuts for him on Kickstarter and they're doing really well. Um, so, you know, shows like an everyday guy can do it. Yeah. You don't have to be a superhero to do it. But um, I, I think that that that's important for me to kind of to help others too, like to find other games and other maybe new designers or um, designers that have ideas that maybe would fit into the filler realm that, that are having, you know, they don't have the right outlet to put out their game. Um, because like I said before, you know, I really like people and, and connecting with people and working with people is, is something that I really enjoy. So, and it gives me something to do when my stuff is, is sitting in the production line <laughs> or when it's being play tested or, or when, you know, my creativity is dried up for a moment. There, there be another project to to work on you know so i'm uh i've been told my personality is there's a book about it i haven't read it yet it's called i'm I'm a scanner right like so i get super excited about one idea and i go all in for a while until i run out of steam and then i focus on something else for a while and then maybe i'll come back to the other thing so designing and publishing um keeps me in that game space but but it gives me something to kind of you know go full steam ahead for a while in one area and then pop back over to the other so um yeah the idea is i mean my first game is an experiment in starting a company to see if I enjoy starting a company. But so far I really enjoy what it's looking like and I'm hoping to, to bring some more games out before too long. You mentioned Jason. And I think one of the thing, one of the things that I don't think is widely known, uh, I know we've talked about it off and on with not only Jason, but some of the people that he's helped along the way, but he, he actually, uh, would publish other people's games, but he does a good job of kind of building people up to do it themselves. So he's had like two or three people 
ask him, will you do this? Because, you know, you can. And he's looked <laughs> at it and just kind of said, you know what? You can too. And I'll help you however you need to. But th- this might be something you want to try on your own. So I, yeah. I, I love that about Jason. He's such, he's, he's such a great guy. Like you said, he's just a, an indie, uh, you know, getting it done. But at the same time, he's always there for anybody that needs him. So it's, it, he's, he's such a great guy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't know that. Uh, but you know, that, that, that just sums up so much of what I love about this industry, right? Like Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me, you know, I go to him and I'm like, I'm thinking about publishing. Like, are we still going to be friends? You know, like, <laughs> and I, I knew I didn't have to be worried about that, but like, you know, Patrick, uh, Nickel from Crash Games, they've all been supportive of me doing this thing, even though like I'm working with them on, on projects as well. Like it, and they're sharing info and like people are just so friendly to like, to help each other out, you know, like we're testing each other's games. We, uh, we're promoting each other's games. Like, I love that. Like it's, it's, we all love this gaming thing and we want to see more people get involved and we want to play more games. So let's help each other make more games. And, and, and that's, I think that's a unique thing for like, uh, for people that, I mean, on one side, it feels like a hobby and like summer camp, right? Like being in the <laughs> game industry, but on the other side, it's like, it's a business and it's an industry and it's, it's, it's generating money and it's supporting people's livelihoods. But it's so friendly, you know, like I, I love that about it. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that kind of keeps me in, involved and, and just loving what I do. And, and like I said earlier, just being content with, with my space. And it's, it, I, I'm big on community and I'm big on, on that aspect of it. So the fact that there is such an awesome community and it, and it's such a, a vast community that is, is awesome is amazing. I mean, it, it really is. One of those things where you listen to people and they're talking about other companies' games and how great they are and people willing to help and people sharing resources. And, you know, you look at, uh, now there's a, a ton of information out there about how, what, what you can do to, to have a successful Kickstarter. And, you know, just it's a very open and welcoming community for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I'm sure there's going to be those, you know, the nastiness that goes on, you know, behind the scenes every once in a while. But, you know, you can do you can still do well for yourself by staying away from the garbage. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you don't have to get tied up in that stuff. You just have to be a stand up person who who wants to contribute something and and get involved and, and stay with the people who are doing the same thing. And, and you don't have to worry about the other stuff. So, by the way, I I, exp- I know uh, Fidelitas doesn't have it, but I. I expect from this point on, Jason, any game that comes out from Green Couch Games has to have green dice in it because that logo is awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. You know, um, Adam McIver uh, designed that logo for me. He did uh, the art for Council of Verona and he yeah. designed Coinage. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an awesome guy. I was so happy with what he threw together for uh, me. I, I love that logo. That logo just is uh, I love it. it. It just kind of made me smile the first time I saw it. <laughs> it's kind of, I know it's kind of a weird thing to maybe say, but I, I, I do think that the, the, the dice couch is, you know, it, I, I can show this to my fiance and she'll be like, Oh, we need that for our house. We need a dice couch for our house. Everybody needs a dice couch. <laughs> All right. You know, and speaking of green couch games and, you know, we've kind of been dancing around it. So how about we uh, go ahead and give you the chance to give your elevator pitch for Fidelitas. Absolutely. I'd love to. So Fidelitas is a card game of medieval meddling where every player is a person who is in the running to be the leader of the revolution against the corrupt crown. So things are in this medieval city are not going so well, but you uh, are faithful 
to your city and you want to do all you can to make it a better place, even if that means overthrowing your government. So you are competing against other people to try to prove that you can influence the the townsfolk in certain ways to show that you have enough credibility to lead the revolution. The way the game works is you have uh, Virtus cards, which are character cards in your hand that, that carry out different actions. And you have Missio cards, which are hidden objectives that you're trying to meet. Um, and the cards are played. The, the Virtus cards are played to five uh, location cards. There's nine locations in the game. And there's... Uh, each location is associated with a different guild. So there's the Academics Guild, there's the Judiciary Guild, the Commerce Guild, and there's even a Tavern. And you play to these different locations, specific characters that allow you to move and manipulate the game state, move around the other characters, or manipulate your hand, adding more cards to your hand, um, in order to meet your hidden objectives, which are all mostly based on game state stuff. So you have to gather four character or four characters from different guilds at the, the market, or four characters from different guilds at the uh, bakery or you want to grab um, six characters and make sure that there's six different guilds represented over both of the artisan locations so the game takes about 30 minutes to play and it has a real quick learning curve and it plays two to four players and it, i think it's in this neat game that 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 every decision is is meaningful but and it gets better the more times you play it. The more you learn these hidden objectives, you can play a little more defensively. You can you can kind of sense what the other people are doing and, and stop them while also helping yourself. So just a, a fun, quick game uh, that that I have just loved playing. And I'm really glad to have that be the first uh, title from uh, Green Couch. Yeah, it is. It is an absolutely beautiful game. We loved it. We reviewed it on the podcast, so you can uh, check that out. In, you know, in show notes, I always put links to everything that we're discussing, so the Kickstarter and all that good stuff, and how to get a hold of Jason. But I'll also throw in the uh, link to the episode where we re- reviewed it. Uh, but well, thanks it, for that. I, I just want to say, you know, like that review, like was early for us. That was like one of the first reviews to come out, and man, that was just what I needed as a new publisher. <laughs> like, like that you guys took to it and had some constructive ideas, and I'm like, all right, I think we're gonna be okay. So I appreciate <laughs> you guys taking the time to play it, and I'm so glad you you've enjoyed it so much. Oh, it was it was a blast. We had a lot of fun with it, and it was was one of those games, uh, kind of like what you're saying. It was. You know, the first play kind of took us by surprise and in a good way. Uh, you know, it was just kind of, okay, we're, we're sitting down with a, with a game. Uh, and then it was once we started seeing the characters come out and their abilities and, you know, trying to do scoring and all that stuff, it was like, okay, okay. Uh, and then by the <laughs> end of the game, we're like, all right, let's go again. And, you know, so we, we, it was one of those things where we sat and we played it multiple times just to, to go through it and, and keep playing. Uh, because we really did like how everything worked and was so well structured and that it really did make you think about the abilities and, and there's even that, that bluffing element, right? Cause you don't want to necessarily go, well, obviously I need everybody here. <laughs> Right, right. So trying to make those those moves so your opponent doesn't necessarily know what you're trying to do and which location you're really trying to mess with. It was it was it was a beautiful thing. We had a lot of fun with it. So that's awesome. um, That makes that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, is this your first collaboration? It is my first collaboration. Yeah. So I worked with Philip DeBerry on this game who designed Revolution for Steve Jackson games and some of the Tempest games for AEG and 
uh what else uh kingdom of solomon for minion games he's he's just getting his stuff out there man he's he's a prolific designer these days um and and that was kind of a cool story we we connected on twitter um i i think i maybe met him once in real life just up in passing and hadn't played his games before but i knew he was a he was a cool guy and just from just from seeing his stuff on twitter and i reached out to him with an early prototype of fidelitas and said hey i have this idea you want to take a look at it and let me know what you think and he said sure and he came back to me and said, I think there's some cool stuff here. Want to design it together? Uh, it's not, he didn't think it was there yet. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's not there? It's not perfect. I mean, it's my first iteration. You got to love it. <laughs> but, uh, and then I was a little nervous about that at first because I hadn't, I hadn't worked with anybody before, but I figured, you know, he's, he's, he's a name in the biz and he's got some experience and, um, he sees something here like, there's no way to no better way to learn if I'm going to like collaborating on game design and unless I just do it. So I said, sure, let's let's give it a go. And we emailed back and forth. Uh, and he lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I live in Flint, Michigan. So we're five hours away from each other. So we didn't really get together. But Origins was two months away. So that two months, we went hard just emailing back and forth ideas. We would make play tests. We'd make prototypes on our own, play tests on our own, come back and share our findings and kind of tweak the game some more and, and kind of just, we, it was a good push and pull. You know, he'd have an idea and I'd be resistant and he'd have to convince me and then I'd have an idea and have to convince him. And sometimes it just clicked and we're like, yeah, that's what we've been missing, you know? So. I think that working with Philip made the game way better and it gave me, you know, a new set of eyes and some new perspectives to kind of to work with. And certainly as we have, you know, approached uh, Kickstarter, I have an audience, he has an audience, you know, so so I think that that just helps the game and the idea of the game get out to more people who might find it interesting. So, yeah, it's been a neat process. But since then, I'm, I'll keep collaborating and I'm working on a game with Andy Lennox uh as well. So I, I like working solo, but it's a different experience and a kind of an exciting experience to collaborate. So I, I think I'll, I'll do some more of that in the future too. Yeah, it's definitely like, this is my first time too. And I was a little nervous and, and hesitant going in. And part of it was too, that like I, I said, I, I had kind of shelved designing for a while. So part of it was more or less, what am I bringing to the table at this point? You know, I, I'm dusting off cobwebs. <laughs> but it, it I, listening to you talk is is just kind of making me smile and nod my head a little bit because it's exactly what like Bill and I are going through and and the whole no I don't know about that well okay uh, or you know what then maybe we just put it on the table uh test it or oh that's exactly what we need you know that that whole <laughs> conversation and like I said we we've talked almost daily now and we're doing the same that we we've got the distance thing. So did was there any time during the process? Now obviously you guys came up with an amazing game. I've already kind of said that. But was there any time during the process that you just kind of went, "Oh man, if we could just get a weekend together." <laughs> well, you know, we we kind of got I think we kind of got that. Like we we got really close and um and then Origins happened and we met at Origins and spent like half a day together. Okay. And uh and that and that was really cool because that then we had a meeting with another publisher at Gen Con. So that was like our let's meet in person and make sure that like we like it together, make sure we're all playing by the same rules and get some get some people to play it that haven't played it yet. So get some fresh eyes on it. Yeah, it certainly would have been would have been good to do that more often. But one of the one of the cool things about doing it long distance, we didn't do Skype. We just did strictly email was that we had to communicate very clearly. Right. So so we had to know 
what the idea that we were trying to get across was, you know, it wasn't just a, um, well, you know, we couldn't be abstract. We couldn't be just nebulous about it at all. We had to like be very specific to help each other understand. So I think that, that we had to clarify our own heads and actually put it in an email helped us to kind of streamline that process. And, and it made it so, you know, we didn't really waste a lot of time. You know, we, we could let our ideas ruminate for a while and, and until it was, you know, more succinct and then put it in an email and share it. So it was just like, you know, it just felt razor sharp just back and forth. So uh, yeah, I, I'm sure there's there's benefits to the other the other game I'm doing a collaboration with Andy. Like we do that primarily like when we're together. Or that's how we started at least. And now it's just incremental changes here and there. And it feels like we've been through a lot more different kind of versions of the game and more ideas and taken more rabbit trails. So which can be a good thing too. But it's just it's just definitely a different experience. So I'm happy the way that it worked out. Bill and I are basically doing uh, Google Docs and uh, private. Game crafter chat sessions is <laughs> kind of how we're designing right now. So yeah, it's one of those things like, I don't quite get what you mean. And every once in a while it'll be like, here's a visual or, you know, or let me explain it a different way. And, and it does help to kind of clarify. And it's, it is nice to, like you said, kind of for me, it's like, here's what I think. And to have somebody on the other end go, I don't quite understand that. And it gives you that, all right, I need to reword this so somebody else understands it, not just my head, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. So we've got uh, Fidelitas on Kickstarter right now. And let's say somebody was listening to this and decided to go check out the Kickstarter project. They pull it up and they're like, mm, yeah, you know what? I, I'm on, I might think this is a good thing for me. I'm just not 100% sure. So, Jason, uh, what are a couple things that you would tell somebody that might be on the fence that goes, you know what, you're absolutely right, Jason, I have to back Fidelitas right now? <laughs> sure. Well, here's the deal. Like it's it's 19 bucks, right? Like for the US base level pledge which gets you the game and all the stretch goals and the game is going to retail for 20 bucks. So, you know, some of the money you're paying for that in that 19 bucks is shipping. So essentially you're getting a you're getting a hefty discount on the game with the Kickstarter price and it's going to come with uh most so far the the stretch goals are going to just be included in every retail copy in every box, but there there may be one or two things that only Kickstarter folks get for, to start with. Uh, not that they won't be available other places later, but if you want them, uh, that's. But we haven't announced those yet. So, but they're going to come uh, only through the Kickstarter. And the other thing is, is from the beginning we didn't um, we didn't have uh, uh, it set up for EU friendly shipping. It was all going to just ship from the, from the US. And I think that that helped some of the the EU um, backers to maybe just stick with a print and play level. But uh, now we have, we have figured out that, that situation and it is going to be our EU copies are going to be shipped from within the the EU. So um, they won't have to worry about the extra customs fees and stuff that happens when stuff comes from the U S but the big thing is just that, Hey, it's a little game. It takes a, it takes up a little bit of space as a small table footprint in a small box. And it offers lots of re replayability. There's lots of, uh, you know, a new experience with, with each game, with different groups. And uh, it's the kind of game you can teach to, to anybody who's casually interested in, in games. And it can be a great filler for, for the more hardcore gamers, too. I will 100% agree with that. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> a, a, This is definitely a game 
that I think everybody should at least go check out, you know, watch the video, scroll down, look, look at some of the other stuff, check out some of the reviews. I don't think you'll be disappointed with this game by any means. It's, it's an amazing game that we've had a lot of fun with. Uh, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those games where, you know, you're just, it hit on all cylinders when it came in the door. And it's one of those things that just kind of made us smile and go, yeah, this is, this is one of the reasons why we're into reviewing games because we want to see things like this get made. Definitely go check it out and back it if, if it's, if it appeals to you. And I don't think you'll uh, regret it if you do. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, one thing we like to cover is any lessons that you've, possibly learn that you want to share about the kickstarter process so you had said earlier that you had done a kickstarter on the music side and then now you have one on the gaming side so uh, what what have you learned about the kickstarter process that you think other people need to know coming in uh fresh yeah uh coming in fresh like i did the punk rock thing kind of as a way to do a trial run something smaller something to get me familiar with kickstarter and get me familiar with you know writing updates and how the how the system worked before um i did anything in in the gaming industry because i knew the gaming thing would be way would be way bigger and i'd have to deal with more of it so it was kind of like i did this little trial run first and that was a great way to get my feet wet and get a little experience under my belt but i think the biggest thing that has really helped with fidelitas is that i i came prepared right like i paid for all the art up front and then all the graphic design up front so um some some campaigns do that some don't but i think as a new person like i wanted to come out there and show people that they they weren't taking a gamble with their money like that i had already invested my resources and they could see exactly what they're going to get so the full artwork you know is is online and and it's it's really close to print ready we have a few more tweaks as we kind of uh, fine tune some stuff but but having all that done up front i think said something about the project that i was a serious about it B, that I mean, well, the art sells the game itself, I think. <laughs> so so having a great look and having it finished and also sending out, you know, more than 30 review copies ahead of time gave people that that extra boost in confidence. OK, he's got a product. It's real. It's almost done. And a bunch of people are playing it and saying good things about it. You know, that that got me really started on the right foot, I think. But all of that would have been you know, impossible had I not had the last two years to work on building a platform, right? To build relationships with people and be involved as a part of the gaming community before I came to the gaming community with my awesome idea that I thought they should support, you know, like this came out of my, out of my love for the community. Not like that. I'm trying to just milk the community for, for their money or whatever. It just said, you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to give something back. So, you know, I got involved first and that's, that's, created a great foundation for me to 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 build this new company on is because all the great people that i've met and have played games with and who have played my games and you know kind of you know given positive feedback so come prepared and know that this thing starts way before you uh way before you hit the launch button on your Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's still one of the major conversations I have when somebody approaches me for either consulting or just, uh, you know, can, can you offer me some quick advice? I, it still amazes me that there are people that think Kickstarter is the marketing. 
uh, right. for, and for a project. And, and it's just not. And, you know, it, it's usually, usually the conversation goes something like, Hey, I'm, uh, getting ready to launch next week. I need to know how to get people to know about my project. And it's like, well, how about not launching next week? Uh, <laughs> and let's have a conversation about what you need to do at least for the next three to four months. Right. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it really is, you know, I just had a conversation recently with Theorycraft Gaming and they, had tried to utilize thunderclap and, you know, kind of, kind of came back and said, well, you know, we tried it. We thought it was a good idea. We thought it'd be, you know, a nice thing, but it just wasn't a good idea for us. And it really kind of boiled down to, yeah, it's it, uh, uh, trying to automate your presence is not going to give you the same results as being present with the people that you're trying to reach. So I, I, uh, fully agree with that. And then, like you said, you've, you've gone out there, you've got your community, you've been involved in the community for quite a while and you've just been present. So that goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. All right. So I'm going to, uh, go ahead and give the stats on the project now. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fidelitas is on Kickstarter right now. It is going until August 31st. 2014. So get on out there and check it out. Jason was looking for $12,000. He's currently over 17,000. So fully funded into stretch goals. This is definitely getting made. So go check it out. You're not going to have a problem. Uh, you and almost 900 other backers are giving the uh, seal of approval here. And uh, it's got the seal of approval from all us geeks for whatever that's worth as well. <laughs> so definitely go check it out again fidelitas uh and uh, and like always uh, if you you can go search over on kickstarter or you know again in the show notes we always put links to the projects that we're talking to people about in our show notes so you can click on the show notes and click over from there as well uh jason anything that we need uh, that we didn't hit on that we should hit on before we wrap up up here I don't think so. I'm just I'm just grateful for a chance to to be on the show and get to chat and share a little bit about my journey into design and publishing and glad to geek out with you a little bit, man. Uh, it's it's been awesome having you on. Where should people other than the Kickstarter, of course, but in general, if people want to get a hold of you. Where where should they look? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter, which is a great way to get a hold of me. And that's at Jason Kotarski, J-A-S-O-N-K-O-T-A-R-S-K-I. Uh, they can listen to my show, which is a part of the Dice Tower Network, the 20 Minutes of Filler. You can download that in iTunes or go to DiceTowerNetwork.com, uh, where we talk. We do 20-minute bursts of shows about 20-minute games. So, And they can find more about Green Couch on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Green Couch Tabletop. And if anybody's headed to, to Gen Con, I'll be there Friday through Sunday doing demos, wearing a green couch t-shirt. You'll see the dice couch uh, <laughs> on my t-shirt and come find me. And I'd be glad to show off uh, uh, Fidelitas to anybody who might be on the fence who's going to be at Gen Con. I, I need two of those shirts, man. <laughs> me, me, One for me, one for my fiance. Just saying. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yes. And again, show notes. Uh, I will have ways to get a hold of Jason there as well. So if you really are, are uh, looking and, and you missed something, check the show notes. You'll be able to find all of his contact information there as well. Jason, thank you for hanging out with me, man. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me on, dude. It was good to chat. It was awesome. Uh, again, like I said at the start, just another one of those 
uh, why haven't I talked to this person before moments? So <laughs> I'm glad to uh, mark that one off my bucket list, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we can do it again soon. Uh, you bet. All right, everybody. Again, one more time. Fidelitas is on Kickstarter right now, going until August 31st, 2014. Go check it out. Uh, this has been another awesome interview. And, of course, I will have more interviews coming soon. Uh, I've got a lot of great guests lined up and always having fun having these conversations. So until then, thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as Royal Monster Battalion, where two geeks share their love of monster movies and have a few laughs along the way.